This month's podcasts are sponsored by Aubergine Legal. Do you sometimes worry that your business isn't meeting all its legal compliance requirements and wonder if you're ticking all the legal boxes? Are you losing sleep worrying about a piece of legislation that you may or may not be complying with? Perhaps you need some help with your client contracts or your data protection compliance. Or maybe you're worried that your website doesn't have the right documents or legal notices in the right place. Perhaps you have a brand that you want to protect with a trademark. How about if you could outsource it all and eliminate all of your worries? If so, then get in touch with Aubergine Legal, a friendly commercial legal consultancy offering practical and clear commercial legal advice without the overwhelming legal jargon, taking the worry away and helping you to protect your business and minimise your risks. Aubergine offers a free 30-minute consultation if you have any questions or want to find out if they can help. And you can access this link and book your free 30-minute call via the link in the show notes. Welcome to the Bring Your Product Ideas to Life podcast. Practical advice and inspiration to help you create and sell your own physical products. Here's your host, Vicky Weinberg. Hi, and welcome to this week's episode. Today I'm speaking with Tom Dalman from Pago Baby. Um, full disclosure, Tom is actually a client of mine. Um, I helped Tom launch his products on Amazon earlier this year. And um, we're going to be talking about that a bit on the episode. So I thought good to reference it here because you will hear us talking about working together. Um, Tom sells a range of play mats for babies. This is his first product. Um, and he talks a lot about how he, his motivation for for launching his product, how he works around his young family. Um, he actually has a full-time day job as well. And um, this is just a really interesting chat about, um, you know, being a startup product business that I hope you really enjoy. So now I'd love to introduce you to Tom. So hi, Tom. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, Vicky. So can we please start with you giving us introductions to yourself, your business and what you sell, please? Uh, my name is Tom Dowman. I am the founder of Pago Baby, which is a kids slash home product company. Um, at the moment, we have we have one product, which is a, uh, sort of a stylish, waterproof, machine washable mat to help you keep your floor tidy um, when you have kids that love to throw food on the floor. Thank you. And obviously I've seen your mats um, and I, I think they're wonderful. I think um, I'll definitely put a link in the show notes so people can go and take a look because I think it's a very hard product to describe and people need to definitely go and have a look at it to yes. see exactly what it looks like. And um, I'd also say that it's a very, it's a really big splash mat, isn't it? It's like not yeah. one of these little circles. It's like quite a big thing. Well, I th- it became pretty earlier on, early on, became pretty obvious earlier on when we were prototyping that um, a small mat isn't compatible with with my children and therefore it's probably not compatible with a lot of children because you know age nine months they get a bit of a uh, bend in the elbow and they can start to projectile projectile throwings across the um, kitchen or across the dining room and um, yeah if you had anything smaller than our mat then you I think you would be doing a lot more tidying up than you should be. Thank you. And I think that leads on quite nicely to what I want to talk about next is what prompted you to create your mats in the first place? So was it inspired by your kids or, or was it something else? I know your kids have been a big part of sort of the creation process, but what kicked it all off? Well, um, if you trace it all the way back, I think it probably 
that comes back to Malcolm Gladwell. I wouldn't, it wouldn't be appropriate to be on a podcast without mentioning Malcolm Gladwell um, and his 10,000 hours because I was, I was on my uh, shared parental leave. So I, my wife for my, my first Agatha, which is now, she was born in 2017. Um, my wife did the first six months and then we swapped and I did, uh, well, originally supposed to be six months, but it um, ended up being sort of uh, nine, 10, 11 months, something like that. Um, before she went to nursery and I was doing a bit of reading and I came across this sort of Malcolm Gabwell 10,000 hours concept and um, I, I, there, was a, there was a chap in America who was who decided that he was going to play golf for 10,000 hours and break into the PGA Tour and subsequently he wasn't able to do that but I also found a chap in in Britain who who'd written a blog about he was he decided sort of 20 early 20s he decided to um, stop working and play table tennis for 10,000 hours he was okay he was a pretty good table tennis player before not, nothing major um, very enthusiastic 10,000 hours and then he was going to break into the UK top 100 that was his goal and his name was Sam Priestley and he didn't do it because he wasn't talented enough or maybe he didn't practice in quite the right way there's a very interesting blog about how um sort of dedicated practice and effort um could lead to results and he did you know he did pretty well he's obviously very good at table tennis by the end of the year that he spent doing this and he wrote a blog about it and i sort of followed started following his blog and he, he's a serial entrepreneur he's actually based in tunbridge wells and um from the back of the table, te table tennis year that he spent doing this, he decided to launch his own table tennis uh, product company. And so he used uh, sort of an intuition and also uh, some market research. I think he'd used Jungle Scout um, to work out that there was, a, he thought there was a gap in the market for a, uh, a company that sort of, they, their, their product launch was a, was a table tennis bat, but they now sell other things. And his, his sort of um, idea was to sell it mainly on Amazon. So he found his niche and he, uh, as you might do, worked out how to prototype it, prototype the packaging and all of this stuff. But his, he, he wrote a very detailed blog about how he did it. And, you know, as, as I read the blog, I was found it very interesting because it's not something I knew anything about. So by the end of reading this blog, several posts, um, tens of posts, I suppose, about how one might go around about developing a product to sell on Amazon or other um, online methods. Um, I thought, well, do you know what? I could probably do this. And at the same time, I was looking after a baby that was um, that was weaning. You know, we were age six months, we started to wean her, and she was eating the food, and we did it very much based. Um, we're, um, we don't really make a mess in the way that some people do. And, you know, that's a big factor for some people. Um, also, I think it was a bit of a pushback against my mum, who was very much, you have to spoon all the food into their mouth without getting anything anywhere. And um, so obviously, where anything she says, I have to go completely against it as a, as a good son. And um, she, uh, so she, my daughter, Agatha, was making a lot of mess. And we bought some... Um, uh, like a bit of tablecloth from a local shop to put underneath her high chair. And it wasn't very satisfactory and it got wrecked straight away. And so these two sort of spheres sort of started to combine. And I realized that um, 
I sort of had a hunch that I could probably find a, a product to sell on Amazon. And, and, and this is, I'm making some assumptions here, but my assumption would be that people who are searching to sell products on Amazon, some of them might not be that into babies. <laughs> But at the time, babies was very much my was my entire life. You know, we were full time looking after a baby, and so my search for a product to sell sort of um, sort of uh, sort of headed in that direction. And I used um, Jungle Scout, and you know, read a lot of um, guidance online about what it might do, and. Um, I came up with the idea of this baby mat and it, it fitted into certain categories and it was probably about the right um, price point. Um, it was relatively easy to source. There's not many movable parts. Um, and it was obviously something that I, I knew about and would be able to potentially uh, have an insight into the marketing. And then I think the final point was at the time, and obviously this is our pre-baby life, uh a little bit we had quite a smart flap and it was looking pretty it was pretty nice and it was all together um those were the days and the idea of well, when we sort of brought a bit of tablecloth to put under the mat it was you know it had maybe like it was like elephants or it was like a baby sort of bit of sort of lino baby focused we thought oh wouldn't you know wouldn't that be nice because we've got a baby when actually we thought to ourselves, actually, we'd like something that looks a bit nice in our flat that doesn't sort of um, clash up against all our uh, all our sort of minimalism and tidy sort of stuff. And um, so, my again, sort of instinct was, well, look, if we did a, a map but with a you know perhaps a slightly more stylish pattern on, uh, perhaps we could market it as something that you know it helps you keep your, your house tidy it's it's to do with your a baby but it's not babyish it's not um it's not uh sort of cutesy and all those sort of things and maybe sort of have it appeal to people who are a bit more into um uh sort of the design sort of aspect and want to have their house looking quite smart yeah, I know exactly what you mean because your mats are practical, but they are also stylish. And you're right. I remember going through a similar thing with my kids. And I actually remember buying like one of those wipe clean tablecloths to put on mm. the floor under the high chair. But the problem with that was it was slippy and we had wooden floors, but it would slide and it just yeah. didn't. Exactly. Work. The same. Um, because, yeah, you didn't, I didn't want a plastic sheet covered in primary colors at that time. Yeah. And it got, uh, you couldn't wash it. But so our mat is machine washable, but you couldn't put a bit of cloth into the washing machine because it would wreck it. <coughs> and also, um, it, it was sort of tra transparent. I seem to remember it was sort of like had see-through bits on it, and it starts to cloud very quickly because it's not really designed to be, you know, wiped with um, uh, sort of you know one of those sort of spray done wipe clean stuff. You know, you're supposed to just use soap and water. And, it basically got wrecked really quickly. Um, and so, yeah, the, the inti the, that sort of attractive looking design um, was, was one of the sort of uh, main 
sort of points of different, I suppose, that we were trying to get. And when I looked on Amazon and looked at the competition, um, it was a pretty mixed, pretty mixed bag. I think there was a lot of people who weren't coming at it from that angle, we'll say that. Yeah, and I think what's really interesting about your Matt, and I think kind of sort of shows the sort of amount of research you put into it, I guess, being in a situation where you had a young family and you were your own ideal customers. Yeah. Your Matt, I think when I, you know, because obviously we've worked together and I've looked on Amazon, I think your bo- your product ticks all of the boxes, whereas some other products don't so you know what you know because it's big and it's stylish and it can go in the washing machine and I'm not saying this just to sing the praises of your product even though I think it's really good what I mean is that clearly you put a lot of research in because it ticks every single one of those boxes that someone might be looking for um because it would be a shame if it was you know really big and stylish but you couldn't throw it in the washing machine for example um so it sounds like you had a really clear spec in mind well yeah I think that's right I don't know um, when we were coming up with the sort of design, so the, you know, the two elements really that we had choice over were the size, we talked about that, went for a bigger mat to, to, to sort of catch more of the food. And then the actual pattern design, I think when we were coming up with it, I was probably a little less bold than I would be now. And so I decided to take um, uh, design language from existing baby products. So over the last 10 years, um, probably more than that, 20 years, like, you know, light gray and white has very, very much been a sort of um, a common motif on baby products. You've got all different patterns and things like that. And so, um, me or I and I and we is interchangeable as my wife and I um we sort of thought well let's do that because it's a yeah I said it's an understand understood language it's um popularized by some of the big players and and then I thought well in that case let's switch on the pattern and I remember at the time it was it was a back cover of a fashion magazine I think and it was an advert for Todd's shoes and um, it had somebody Jenna in it I don't know all their names one of the Kardashians and and in behind her she was she was a there was a rug with a with a certain pattern on it it was interlocking hexagons so it just wasn't majorly complicated uh, but I thought well there we go that's on a fashion magazine and that looks pretty cool to me. So let's go for that. And I sent it to um, a pattern designer in um, uh, in Middlesbrough that I'd found on People Per Hour and said, can you knock me up something a little bit like this? Um, albeit not, not, <laughs> not so similar that it, you know, might infringe on any copyrights. And um, that was very quick and she did that, vectorized it and everything. And that's where we came up with the initial pattern. Amazing, thank you. So you had this really clear spec, you had your patterns, you knew exactly what it sounds like at this stage, you knew exactly what you were looking for. So yeah. what came next? What came next? How did you go about finding someone that could create this to your brief? So um uh what I think probably the first stage was look looking at um 
the comments on the products that would be our competitors on Amazon. So just doing a bit of analysis, and I've got the spreadsheet somewhere, about what people are saying, what's good, what's bad, um, what they'd like to see, and uh, you know, this is great, but wouldn't it be great if it was like this? And obviously some of those things that people say, you can't deliver to them, like, you know, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be great if um, it was, you know, made out of a different material or if it was lighter or, you know, some of those things. But if, if they say, wouldn't it be great if it was bigger, then, you know, that's something you could, you can take on board. Um, or it doesn't look very nice in my house. Again, that's something you can take on board. So th there was a, there was a list of, um, I suppose it's almost innovation through comments, through user experience of, of things that we like, we, you know, these number of people are saying this and that. I love that you like, did that, by the way, Tom. I just thought I'd interject say, I love that you did that because I recommend this to people all the time, but I've yeah. never felt came across anyone yet who's told me they have actually done it. Yeah. But I think it's such a great way of just get, getting some real life, real, real research without having yeah. to go out and do focus groups and things like that. So, yeah, well, that's all I wanted well, to say. I think does, it's fantastic. She, she works in innovation as a job, so she's quite used to... Um, Getting, I suppose, what she, what she does is gets user product, user product, product user feedback, and then converts those into new ideas. In this instance, we weren't really coming up with anything groundbreakingly new or innovative, you know, high, highly innovative. But um, it was useful to have those, and actually, that reinforced. Clearly, remember that reinforcing our uh, our view that it should be a larger map. Um, and once we had those, the other. I think machine washable was another one. So that was sort of on our list. And actually that's a really important um, characteristic, characteristic. And then I went on Alibaba and I think I found four um, uh, manufacturers, I suppose, who, um, who were making a similar sort of products. And I ordered them, I ordered two from each one. I'm exactly sure why I ordered two, but there we go. And um, there was a real variety. Uh, some of them were, were pretty bad and a couple of them were good, but the one we went for, um, I, I had a bit of a dialogue with them about what um, processes they use. And they talked about um, dual lamination and um, the, the way they make the, the sort of edging and the, the, the way the product comes in a, a sort of carry bag. Um, and actually that that became the only real option for us because the others were a bit substandard and we just not weren't willing to go down that road um and so uh they sent over those two and then i said okay well here's my pattern can you prototype it for me and they did and we got we received that and obviously the the prototype isn't exactly as it will be um, because of the way they manufacture the materials, but um, it was it was pretty good, and um, that was that. And so we we had found a supplier. Yeah, that's fantastic. And I think I really um, like what you said as well about ordering samples. That's another thing I think people should always do because, as you say, it's amazing. You can be ordering effectively the same thing when you look online. It looks very comparable but actually when you hold it in your hands the difference in quality can be vast can't it yeah it was not good and even like just even we tried them out with the, with the high chair and 
even within a couple of days, you could see things were going a bit wrong. And yeah, it was um, it was pretty obvious what we needed to go, go with. Yeah. And it's great that you actually used them as well, because I think that's also really good to actually use the things, what they're meant for, yeah. rather than just taking them out and looking at them, yeah. actually putting them to use. Because actually you can't, not, you can't always see from just glancing at something that it isn't going to work. So we do use them every day twice a day uh, oh, three times a day sometimes lunch um breakfast lunch and dinner and it almost feels strange it would be weird now if we didn't have something underneath there because it's uh so much part so much part of our like routine and now the kids um i posted something on instagram the other day about um my eldest because she's three now three you know she will be like, we need to get the mat out. It's time for dinner. Let's get the mat out. And um, if it's not, um, uh, un- if it's got any sort of ruffles in it or something, my two-year-old will like pull them out, try and pull them out, and be like, mat, mat. Um, so he's, look, I think he's developing a bit of OCD regarding it, which is probably unhealthy. Um, but yeah, it's a big part of our sort of routine for for dining. Yeah. So, so once you found actually someone who could manufacture the product, let's yeah. talk about a little bit about the steps you then went through to get your product on Amazon, because that was obviously the goal. Mm. Um, very aware that I know a lot of this already, but let's yeah. just pretend I don't. Sure. Um, let's just think about what the order that happened. So the, we, we developed a, a brand, so we realised we needed a brand. So... Uh, we've got a, so a friend of a friend who does some branding and had her over for dinner and said, right, we need to come up with a brand. Um, and her, we thought about some Latin names and all this sort of stuff. And, you know, the, what is this? I remember doing a, um, they called it a brand house, where you have to like, it's a, it's a methodology for coming up with a brand and talking about what, your, what the ethos of the brand is, what your sort of principles are, what it stands for, and then slowly deducing what, what you, um, how, how the brand goes about its business, I suppose. Now, that was probably overkill, um, but we sort of came up with the idea that, that the old saying that it takes a village to raise a child, and pago is the Latin word for village, so we thought, okay, Pago, that sounds good. And there's a, there's a huge like drinks manufacturer called Pago. So we were like, right, we can't have that. But what about Pago, baby? Done. And um, the URL was available and we, we all liked it. And so we came up with that. And then we um, came up with a logo. Um, again, got some help with that. We had some prototypes and <laughs> we didn't like any of them. So we, um, I think in the end, my wife just, sort of drew some a triangle in a, a circle and said this is it and I said oh it looks like it's a PlayStation game and she said no it doesn't and we <laughs> and uh, then we used the Pantone Colors of the Year 2018 I suppose it was and that was it so we, we worked out our, our, our branding um, so we sent those all off to the factory and then I think probably I placed the order. I think I placed the order for a thousand mats, which was, which was quite bold at the time. But I just thought to myself, do you know what? Um, 
you either you got to either do it or not and um let's just crack on and if i've got a thousand it's going to sort of focus my mind a bit on it and um and uh, and and it did and at that point once the order had been placed i realized they needed to get shipping organized and um Amazon product page and all of that sort of stuff. So actually, that was when I got in contact with you, Vicky, I think. And um, you were incredibly helpful setting up the Amazon account and getting the product page um, written. Um, uh, you also helped out understanding what photographs we used to get on there. And I got my next door neighbor of the time to do the photography, which is our initial product launch, launch photography. Um, you have to measure a complete silence. But we had, we did a photo shoot with my daughter um, where we just asked, we just sat her in an eye chair and said, right, spill things. And she thought it was the best day of her life. And, um, so there's lots of photos up there on that, in that, in that photo shoot. Um, and then it was a question of how, how many maps do we send directly to Amazon? Because it's expensive to store them with Amazon. So Vicky recommended me a, 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 a sort of a warehouse service in Essex. And so they took the majority of the um, they took all the whole shipping, the whole thousand, um, and then we since then we've been dripping in 200 at a time to Amazon Warehouse for them to do the um prime so that they can do the prime FBA um service from their own warehouses. Uh, the shipping was a bit of a um an event in the end because at the end of last year there was a big problem caused by, I think it's like COVID, Brexit, that big, that big tanker stuck in the Suez Canal, everything sort of conspired. And um, the shipping was delayed quite heavily by I think it was about six weeks in the end, um, which, came, which came from China. But uh, to be honest, it was remarkably um, straightforward. You know, I spoke to, emailed the Chinese, um, manufacturer and the shipping people who are a British company were very experienced with dealing with all that. And they picked it up from the factory and took it to the ship and it came in and then it went to the warehouse uh, a couple of months later. So, yeah. uh, so that's up to getting it live on Amazon, I think. Yeah, I think that sounds about right. And I think it's it's quite good you touch on the shipping. I think one thing I guess does highlight to people is that the shipping can be sort of scary and seem quite daunting. But actually, if you work with somebody who knows what they're doing, I hope you'll agree, Tom, that actually, if you yeah. know it's in safe hands, it is something you can kind of, once it's in place, you can forget it. And yes, there might be delays. In fact, I don't think I've ever ordered a shipment from China where there hasn't been some oh, really? kind of delay. Right. Um yeah. But I think it's good to know that self hands and, and also to elaborate on what you were saying about the stock, because I think this might be useful for people um, to know the reason I suggested that Tom didn't send a thousand units into Amazon and to send them to a separate warehouse is that Amazon storage fees can get quite high and they go up as time goes on. So once you hit the six months marks, you know, you've had stock there for six months, if you if you get there um, yeah. and hopefully, you know, hopefully you won't, but 
you know, if, if you do, then you start incurring long-term storage fees on top of your regular storage fees. Yeah. And then it, it adds up. And also, if you decide, actually, I've got too many in Amazon, I want to take them out again, they then charge you for the privilege of sending your stuff back to you as well. So, um, yeah, just for context, people listening, that's where I suggested to Tom not to send all the stock into Amazon, because at least if it's somewhere else, you can sell on your own website, you can yeah. sell on eBay, you can sell you know, anywhere you like. And they just it's just a little bit easier just to get, you know, get your hands on your own products, whereas once they're in Amazon, getting them out again isn't quick. And no. isn't straightforward. So but I hope the, you don't mind, Tommy. I thought it was good no, to no, just no. clarify yeah, definitely. that. I mean, the shipping, the shippers were it's a, a British company based in the north of England, and the guy who organised it um, was very experienced. He also had a very calming Yorkshire sort of accent, and whenever I, I, I spoke to him a few times around the end of last year and um, whenever I spoke to him I was like oh yes I'm quite reassured he's you know he's he's on top of it he knows what he's doing and he's he's very apologetic when you know even if it's going to be a week delay he was like I'm you know I'm incredibly sorry this is you know um but because he has such a lovely voice I was like oh do you know what um I'm reassured and I didn't I wasn't panicking despite the fact yeah it was um uh not quite to the schedule we'd hoped and that's that's good and I, I agree very nice man very calm I guess you have to be if you're going to work and start doing yeah, something so exactly. stressful you probably need yeah, to be super exactly. calm definitely that's right and he probably started off his career with like quite a panicked voice and then he learned how to sort of he had to calm his clients down by just lowering his voice and slowing it down a little bit. He's probably he's probably seen it all by now as well. Probably nothing phases him either. Yeah. Whereas for us as sellers, when something happens for the first time, it seems like a really big deal. Yeah. But I guess if you're dealing with that day to day, you gives you a bit more perspective. Definitely. So we got your products onto Amazon in it was early 2021, I think, wasn't it, Tom? In the end. Actually, April. Um uh it was April this year we actually started. So the, um, uh, yeah, because I, when I looked through the months, April is the month that it, we didn't, hadn't quite started properly. So it's, it's a very low sales month. Um, but um, um, the sale, selling didn't properly start, I think, until the beginning of May. So we, we had it online, but it wasn't um, it, it, it wasn't being promoted. We hadn't started the advertising, anything like that. So that's actually leads us on quite nicely. Then. So let's talk a little bit about how we got those first sales and the things you did to promote the listing when it was brand new. So when it was brand new, I think we had we had one or two sales without any advertising or anything like that. It's really surprised. Like someone has found it must be right at the bottom of all the lists, but they found it. Um, I think at the time it was also on the price, which was um, which was which was uh, sort of the, the the price that we had uh, put in as um, as sort of the the maximum price it could be. At which point you then then apply a discount to it. Is how the Amazon system works. So our sort of initial price was nineteen ninety nine, but actually we've only sold a few units at that price. Um, we enables you to vary the price um, from that point. Um, we did um, fine 
which is a uh, Amazon run um, service which uh, allows, um, I, I don't know if they are sort of vetted or they just sort of, they sort of sign up to Vine, it allows them to buy the products at a very reduced cost or sometimes no cost. And then they are somehow incentivized to review them. And I think if they review them, it helps them stay on Vine. Sorry, Becky, you probably know this a little bit better than me. Yeah, so it's, it's basically a condition of being on Vine is that if you have one of these heavily discounted or free Vine products, you are obliged yeah. to leave a review for it. You don't have to leave a positive yeah. review. I should make that really clear, but yeah. you do have to leave a review. And I believe you can be invited to join the Amazon Vine scheme, although what the criteria is, I don't know. But it's kind of a way that if there are Vine, um, let's call them reviewers, signs up who like the look of your product, then yeah. it's a nice way to get some early reviews so it's definitely something worth doing like in my opinion so i think we've got probably 20 20 to 25 reviews via vine um, which is excellent really good start um and that was for i think for the first two weeks um so obviously yeah it was really brilliant um obviously but it's not you know it's not for free um you, you pay with a reduced um, sale price um but definitely worth it to get things going. And then we did um, uh, sort of a, a campaign of advertising through Amazon. So um, I think there's two streams. One was um, uh, advertising at the top of the product page you're gonna to have to help me out here yeah so, so we, we did two separate campaigns so yeah. one we were targeting we were doing keyword targeting where if someone yeah. typed in splash mat or splat mat or something relevant your ad would show at the top of the search results and yeah. then we also did some what's called asin targeting which basically means you're targeting other products so if someone yeah. was looking at a product similar to yours and we identified some that we thought would be good ones to look at then near the bottom, it says something like related products. I forget the wording because it does change. Yeah. And then your product would show up down there as I well. Yeah. Um, we actually stopped doing that because the return wasn't yeah. as good. And actually, yeah. um, you, were still, you, you can often still appear through there via the keyword targeting if you're targeting the same keywords as the product you were targeting, which is, yeah. I'm not sure I explained that quite well. Um, generally i suggest to people try both because for some people the targeting other products works exceptionally well perhaps if your product is sort of in some way superior to theirs it has a feature that theirs doesn't um it can actually it can actually work quite well but it doesn't work for everyone which is why at the beginning i always think of the advertising it's a case of testing and seeing what converts but i'll let you take things on from here tom no and then you and yeah, I, I may need some help. And then I, I, you did some analysis, Vicky, which, as you said, showed that the keyword advertising was more profitable per uh, click and ultimately purchase than the other, uh, than the ASIN um, targeting. Um, so that was the sort of the launch um, promotions, I suppose. And we're still doing the advertising um, as of now, um, just the keywords. And then not long after we launched, so in June this year was Prime Days, I think it's two days. Um, and Amazon encourages the, the sellers to reduce or put in a Prime 
um, reduction in uh, price to try to, you know, I guess it's twofold to, 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 to try and um, get more sales, but also to try and encourage people to use Prime and to, to um, go to the website, etc. Um, and so we put in a 20% discount, I think it was, um, to the sale price, uh, which was successful in a sense. We sold you know, a huge number of units on those two days. I think it was um, uh, 30, 35, 40 or something like that, um, which, um, which, was, which was great and really helped you get things moving along. Um, uh, and then after those days, we put price back to it was £17.50. And so we've been since sort of the mid, uh, early middle part of June until now, we've been going at £17.50. And then last week, last week um, I was looking through the uh, sort of proto accounts, I suppose, for the company, because I'm just moving now into um, uh, having, um, you know, sort of an accountant or bookkeeper on board to just make sure everything's being processed correctly. And um, I had a review and um, one of the things from the review is that I'm sort of quite keen to move the stock on and get into the sort of the next phase. Um, so so uh, the beginning of last week, we put the price down to 15 pounds 50, just to see what impact that would have on the sales. And it's a small, but not insignificant impact. I think it's probably in my calculations, probably increased sales by about uh, 20%. That's great. Um, and I think it's good that you're doing all of this testing because um, just subtle changes to, to the pricing can make a real difference. Yeah, no, it's, it's quite, it's, um, it, it's given me a bit of sort of thought about where, you know, the profitability of it, where it's going and where, you know, if you sort of say, okay, we're, we're, this is where we are, is it going to be like this? Are we just going to keep going on this level for, the rest of time what um what differences do we need to make in order to move from i think i think from i think at this point i'd say we've gone from zero to one but now we need to move up from one to two to three and um it's uh summer sometimes a good time to have a bit of a reflection about where you where you're going and i think um yeah it's um it's it's got to the stage I think where we need to build on what we've got and sort of move to that next phase, which I've always had in mind. But up until now, I've just thought, right, we need to just get from zero to one and start selling on Amazon. And now I think now we've got um, you know that it's it's successfully selling, and you know it, it has been selling at a profitable. Um, price, I think, ready to start thinking about the next next step. Hmm, that's really exciting. And are there any, is there anything about the next steps that you're happy to share now? And no problem if not, Tom, because I know I'm putting you on the spot. If if you're not quite at that stage yet, we don't have to. Um, but 
are there, are there any sort of thoughts that might be useful for people? Yeah, so I think, so <clears throat> one of the things I think I've realized through keeping track of the Amazon sales and what's happening um, in terms of sales going up and down. And, uh, you know, there's quite some, some quite interesting insights in that if you look on a day-by-day -day basis, you can actually see that there's a, there's a spike about 1, 2 p.m. and again about sort of 6 p.m. quite often. And obviously people have gone through dinner time and been like, I can't stand the mess or I need to do something here. And then they've ordered the mats. Um, which is uh, which just makes me giggle, sort of, because it's an insight into somebody's into somebody's life. Um, it's there is an increase in sale. You know, we are we are creeping up in terms of the number of sales. Um, you know, uh, August will be better than July, but it's quite a slow trajectory, and because I've got a thousand mats, for better or worse. You know there is a there is costs to holding those mats and um, it it's now become clear that if we keep going at this trajectory, then it's going to take quite a while to sell them, so, um, maybe nine months, uh, which is um, which is fine. But I want to you know give it a bit of a uh, rocket boost really so my next um so i think we you know i think the product works and the, the product page is great but i think what what i'd like to do is have a product that's a little bit more that stands out a little bit more that's a little bit perhaps less in that language of baby products and perhaps more in the language of um interior design you know, a little bit more, okay, well, I really like that, rather than, okay, that's going to look fine in my house. Um, and, you know, if you do do that, there's obviously some purchases that might be uh, thrown off by that a little bit, you know, because if you do produce a slightly more design-led product, you're naturally going to, um, there's going to be some people that you know, just don't like it. So there's a so the next stage really is to is to produce another um, another design or perhaps more than one design, um, and I think that that will be helpful in terms of product sales in a few ways. I think one is um, uh, perhaps creating a little bit more of a story around the product. So what I'd like to do is get, um, uh, you know, a, a mum or a dad who's, a, who's an artist to have an impact, to sort of come up with the design, very much able to use their personal brand as a way of selling the products. Um, and in that regard, I also like to, to, to have it as a slightly more of a premium product. So, you know, you've got the, our standard map as it is, and then maybe this product that is, you know, special, maybe sort of a limited edition sort of thing, um, perhaps could have a higher price point. So the next, the next phase is to, um, is to slightly broaden the product range. Um, and 
you know, if it is a bit of a cooler mat, that's a bit more, perhaps more individual, a bit more design-led, you know, perhaps the, inter the Instagram marketing would be able to be a bit, might be a bit easier in terms of things that stand out a little bit more on Instagram rather than, um, rather than sort of blend, blend in. Um, so that's really the next step, I think. Yeah, that's, you know, I'm, I'm really excited about that, Tom. I think that's super, I think that's all super exciting and completely makes sense. I think also you probably will find that when you launch new design, a new design or more new designs, sales of your existing design will also increase because then you'll okay. sort of have a more like an entry level product and then something slightly more premium. But generally um, what we find is that as you add new products, people find your new products, but then they find your original products through oh, yeah. your new ones and then sales of those sort of increase in turn as well so yeah. I think that's um I think yeah I think to me that sounds like you're definitely on the right track and that sounds super promising so very very exciting and really looking forward to talking with you some more about that yeah definitely um and also I think probably sorting out the website a little bit so that um you can make product purchases through the website because that will um, that really helps the profitability yeah, and I think for you having your own sales channel and also being able to sort of get customer data as well would yes. be fantastic, especially if you're starting to launch new designs, you have people to talk about them too. Because yeah. one of the downsides with Amazon, as you know, is, is you just don't get any customer details. So you've got no idea who's buying from you and you can't mm -hmm. then incentivize them to, to buy from you again or let them know about new products or anything like that. So yeah, I think having some sort of shopping facility on your own website makes total sense. Yeah. It just gives you more yes. control so i'm keeping an eye on the time tom because i'm where i don't want to keep you for too long i've just got a few more questions if you're okay for time yes so i'd love to know um some of the i guess some of the biggest challenges you've had to overcome to, to get to here and perhaps what you might have learned from them i think the biggest challenge was starting from scratch so um you know being sort of or making the decision to move into a world that you really know nothing about. I don't have a history of product um, uh, manufacturing or selling or anything like that. I'm a, I, you know, my, my day job is, is a, I'm a charter surveyor. So I, um, I know about buildings and that sort of thing, but really product development and, and sales is, is quite far out of my wheelhouse. Um, so I think the biggest challenge for me was not to get too disheartened when you come up against something when it's not really obvious or what you're supposed to do or obvious at all, or it, it, it's almost um, not, not possible to know it just by, just on your own, if that makes sense. So um, things like um, how certain things with the Amazon portal portal which is just not possible to understand how you're doing it without getting external help um, uh, um, I think some of the shipping terms and some of the way that, that it's dealt with is is opaque um, and also the just the order of doing things and the things you should think out you should be thinking about is quite challenging and Vicky that's where you've been amazing because there's, there's a few times when I've come up against things I've just been like what 
why is this happening or what why why would it be like this and in almost in almost every circumstance you know i've just got an email like a one-liner from you just to say oh don't worry about this it's this this and this and i think okay well there's no way i'll be able to leave that on my own so i think the biggest challenge is is not getting disheartened when you come up against things that that are, are, are difficult but also not being afraid to seek help to to overcome those things which in more often than not are, are quite simple for someone who knows what they're doing um so that's probably my challenge and my learning um yeah there's lots of people out there who know what they're doing um you're not one of them you know so just taking that on board and accepting that you can't do it on your own is a big one thank you for that and I completely agree that it's a massive massive learning curve as with anything and also we have to kind of acknowledge the fact that while you've been doing this you do also have a job and a family uh, so yeah. um I think even if you wanted to sort of taking it all on probably would have been a bit too much um which leads There's to also, nice sorry so just one more point on that there's lots of there are lots of blogs and posts out there about oh how do i this is you know these are the 10 things you need to do to get your product onto amazon um and um jungle scout have a sort of a web series which i've seen some of the episodes of and i, I mentioned the blog earlier on and you know, obviously it's, it's a few long blog posts about how you might go about putting a product on amazon and it's not obvious from the initial read, especially if it's quite a, uh, you know, it's quite a um, concise sort of text. It's not obvious when you read it that actually it's not as easy as, as reading a blog or writing a blog. There's loads of more stuff you have to deal with that just come up. And, you know, if in the blog it says, and this, at that point, you just you order from the factory and then get it shipped over to the UK. Well, that's, you know, it's easy to write it down, it's easy to read it, but actually it's quite a lot uh, more difficult than uh, a lot of people would have you believe. Like that. Absolutely. And I mean, I have listed, I don't know how many lots of products on Amazon. I, I kind of want to say hundreds. I don't really know if it's that many. It could well be that many. Yeah. And even now I come across against, I come up against things that were unexpected. Um and, you know, I, well, you know, my attitude, Tom, I believe that you can sort of get around anything and that yeah. there's always a way and you just got to work through it. But things can and do happen that you weren't quite expecting because policies change or I don't know, you only have to tick the wrong box and things go a bit haywire and it's, it's, it's not a great system. Um, yeah. But you're right. A lot of the sort of the blogs and the tutorials are on there don't kind of prepare you for when things don't go according to the yeah. plan when they do it's great you know you can follow a step-by-step -step process and get your listing set up but it's when things go wrong that you find that actually that's when things get tricky because as we both know the, the support from amazon and i hate to say this but isn't amazing as a seller yeah. and um there's not loads of advice out there on what you do when things don't go as they should so yes exactly yeah that would be a good uh that would be a good blog when things go launching your product on amazon Oh, I might write that one. Yeah, <laughs> Thanks exactly. for the idea. Perhaps I write that. <laughs> Thanks, Tom. So, yes, yeah, so we, we sort of touched on this a second ago about, you know, the fact that you also have your young family and you're also working and your wife also, SJ, is also working alongside mm. this. So um, how are you managing to balance pay go with your day job, with family life and 
with everything else that's going on? Yeah, so um, I've, yeah, so I, I, I run um, the valuations part of a, of a surveying company. And I also have a property development company and two kids and, and my wife. And the other thing is, you know, I've recently moved to the coast. You know, I want to spend time you know, surfing and swimming and all that sort of stuff. So there's even more stuff to juggle than there was a few months ago. Um, I think the tricky thing is, one of the challenges I think I'm having at the moment is, I'm very excited about the future of Paygo, but it doesn't have a defined uh, income amount next to it or any sort of salary or any really any certainty without me putting in quite a lot of effort. Whereas I have, you know, I've got another job or a job and there's other things happening in my life, which, which do. And um, it, it can be quite difficult to reconcile spending time on Paygo, the appropriate time all the time I would like, um, when, um, you know, currently it's, uh, uh, it's a loss-making business. Um, so that's the real challenge. And, you know, when other people are sort of shouting at you to deliver work for other things or to look after your kids or, or, or the beach is calling me, I think I can hear it now, um, it's difficult to, uh, to say to yourself, oh, well, actually, do you know what? This is going to earn me this amount of time, this amount of money, sorry, in in two years time um, and therefore I need to put in the, the hours now. So it's, it can be a bit of a motivational, um, bit of a motivational challenge. So how do I balance it? Generally um, a few hours a week grabbed here and there, I'd say but at the moment, probably, probably three or four hours a week. And then occasionally something big will come up and I have to put in, you know, a little bit more time but yeah it's grabbed here and there around sort of other demands yeah thank you for thank you for that and for being so honest about it all and I think for a lot of us that's where it kind of starts um where it starts off and I, I guess it's just worth sort of you know knowing that yes that and you know it might take a couple of years to pay off but but it is, you're right, it is, it is a hard, it is a hard juggling act because obviously if you, you know, the more time you can put into it, sort of yeah. the quicker the payoff Absolutely. will be, but it, yeah. yeah, that is a really big challenge. And thank you for sort of acknowledging that. It's, and it's really quite obvious at the moment because there's, there's certain things like, we talked about developing a new, new map pattern, sorting out the website, paying a bit more attention to Instagram, certain things that, you know, I know that if I you know, took a week off and sorted them all out, then you know that would be that would be great, and that it would really move us on to the next stage. It's probably more than a week, but um, I, I'm also I I can't really spare that time, or really want to spare that time necessarily. So mm. it's a question of doing enough to get it to the next level within the time you have. And um, yeah, it's difficult because other stuff is also happening. So. Um, uh, I also, if I, if I, like, 
there's also a, a situation where I'm sure some people get to where they have a there is a there is a there is a point at which they say you know I could stop I could just let, let's just call a day on it and um, and focus on on other things you're doing I don't want I don't really want to do that but also financially it's not it's probably not going to be a particularly good idea either because all those sunk costs will, will obviously not be able to be retrieved as you said um, so um, I'm I guess I'm sort of locked in but in a it sounds negative, but actually, I like the fact that I'm locked into it because it, it is interesting and it um, does make my sort of time a bit more varied. So, yeah, as you can tell, <laughs> like yeah. a lot of things in my life, there's, there's a lot of things going on. It's quite a complicated situation. Yeah, definitely. And I think as well, it's, it's worth remembering as well. That I think for lots of people that it is a slow build up. Yeah. Um, I remember I used to sort of look at companies and think oh you know they're doing really well and then you sort of when you dig into them a bit more you realize it took them five years ten years maybe even longer to get where they are um, yeah. and I don't I don't know I'm not going to believe in the overnight success stories anymore I used to I used to sort of listen to podcasts or read about people and think oh well they've come from nowhere but yeah sort of the the further I sort of go along with this I'm realizing that that simply isn't the case like but I don't know there isn't there a saying like behind every overnight success there's like five years of work or something I forget yeah. the exact quote I'm probably you know terribly misquoting that but it's something like that and I think the main thing is you've said is if you're enjoying it and you're getting yeah. something out of it yeah um then it's definitely worth pursuing I think if it gets to the point um for you or for anyone else where it's making you miserable or it's a massive financial drain or energy drain then yeah. it's worth reevaluating. but I think as long as you're in a situation where you can continue with it in whatever form you can then it's probably worth pursuing and I do think you've got oh, I think for your business I think you've got some exciting options ahead of you as well yeah. and yeah, yeah, um yeah. I think, you know, we're so starting the way you did make sense, but I personally think to sort of come out with some bold designs and do something a bit different is really yeah. brave, but because it's really brave, it's really exciting. But I'm not sure that perhaps you would have been ready to do that no. sort of a year, 18 months ago. So that's exactly right, Vicky. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, you're taking a huge, taking a risk with your time and your money to start with. The last thing I want to do is to have a thousand mats that I know <laughs> or it becomes obvious quite quickly that I can't sell because nobody likes them, which is obviously, I, I don't think that would have happened, but that's a bigger risk than if you come up with a pattern that is, you know, is is lovely and, uh, you know, I've had some good feedback from it, um, but isn't going to set the world on fire. It's purposefully not going to set the world on fire. So, yeah, I wouldn't, I definitely wouldn't have been able to do that at the beginning because absolutely not enough confidence. And, but it's only when you see those figures come in and you talk to people and, um you get um i think i think the competition element is um is really interesting because amazon is a bit of a crucible in terms of competition because people come up with stuff all the time how do you distinguish yourself from the others who are doing a, a similar thing to you but obviously they're coming up with, with sort of new ideas new products at the same time and um so i think by um yeah, a bold pattern with a story behind it that can't be that can't actually be replicated by anybody else because, um, but, you know, that there's only one of the artists that's done it or the person who's done it. Um, is I think it's a it's a. I hope that it will be a way for us to distinguish ourselves and really be able to compete on a on a slightly on a different basis in a way that can't be replicated by other um, sellers, which is obviously 
is massive on Amazon. So, yeah, well, I think it's super exciting. Genuinely, exciting. I think it's exciting. Thanks, Vicky. That <laughs> means a lot. That means a lot. So, just one final question before we finish, Tom, which I ask everybody, yep. um, which is, what would your number one piece of advice be for other product creators? What's the top thing you want people to take away from this? Yes. Um, the top top piece of advice i think would be seek help um get help from other people it's not possible how much you think i can do this and i know what i'm doing and i'm you know positive not only will you not be able to do it on your own, but even if you do do it on your own, you'll have wasted a huge amount of time learning stuff that just don't need to know. I mean, it did come across earlier on when you were talking about the advertising, you know, the keywords advertising versus the assin. I know, I know what that is, but I'm not, you know, I'm not an expert in Amazon advertising, which is Vicky why I got you here. And um, uh, so that would be my number one advice. But the other piece, the other bit of advice would just be just start like, just do the next, that's unfrozen too, but just do the next right thing, you know? Um, uh, I've watched that film too many times. But if you just, you're in, you know, you, you want to do a sell Amazon, um, you want to do selling on Amazon or another, selling a product like this, e-commerce, the, you're starting from scratch, do a bit of research, decide on what you're doing and then start and, you know, it's probably not going to be a walk in the park. It might not be the right thing. It might not be exactly right. But you, the amount of experience you'll get just by starting um, to do something um, will be invaluable. That's amazing. Thank you so much. And thank you for everything you've shared today, Tom. No problem. It's, it's been a nice chat, actually. It's been brilliant. Thank you. Mm. Hi, thank you so much for listening. As always, I would absolutely love to know what you thought of this episode. Please do remember to rate and view the show and also, most importantly, subscribe so you don't miss out on any future episodes. And as a reminder, I release a new episode every single Friday. So take care and look forward to speaking to you again then. If you've been inspired to start a podcast in 2024, I really recommend my podcast host, Captivate. Captivate were my top pick when I started podcasting four years ago because of how easy it was for a complete novice like me to get started. I've stuck with them for the last four years because Captivate is still really simple to use. They keep adding great new features like the ability to share ads like these and they've just been really reliable. So when you're ready to start your own podcast, you can use the link in the show notes and get a free seven day trial with Captivate.